Hello and welcome to Kicking Balls, the podcast where two 20-something Americans give out a whole lot of opinions on soccer as if they're fact. Hello. Hello. We took a quick break. Uh, uh, yeah. We slightly, took a we took was, an international break. It was yeah, like slightly unintentional, but then it kind of lined up and we were both like we're busy. So let's just take a quick break and come back rejuvenated. Um so we so, are back. And we are not going to waste time recapping all of the stuff that we would have been talking about had we been recorded the last 2 weeks. Yeah, because um, you know, we just don't we don't really feel like it and there's too much other and there's just to way about. too much to talk about there's just way too much to talk about so we, we are starting with break, april but the football world does not take a vacation like we did so we are we are starting with april okay april, april. <laughs> and it's full tilt ahead um full tilt oh my god full tilt. so yeah All oh right. my god is right so we're going to start with the premier league um as usual games, as as always um so let's talk let's talk the not so interesting results first and then we can talk about um some more interesting things. Um Bournemouth beat Fulham 2-1. Nottingham Forest drew Wolves. Le- uh Leicester lost to Crystal Palace 2-1. This is notable because uh what's his name finally got Brendan Rodgers finally got finally fired. Got- I would also like to say all of those games do technically have relegation implications. So Yes, really, but I just mean like we don't have, have additional commentary on Yeah, is it that Bournemouth beating Fulham? is significant for Fulham and Fulham's fight for Europe. Yes. Um, West Ham beat Southampton. Newcastle beat Man United 2-0. That's particularly notable with uh, Newcastle trying to, and Newcastle and Man U both fighting for top four spots. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That was entertaining. So I mean, I don't like either of them, that. but you know, I always will take United losing. Yeah. Um, so, but that does that does um, keep that does move Newcastle into third over Man U. They're yes. they're the same on points, but um, goal differential. Yeah, goal differentials significantly um yeah. in Newcastle's favor yeah Man U has a literal terrible goal differential it's kind of hilarious I just can't decide is it just it's because kind of, of hilarious at the 7-0 loss and then they lost they lost they had six goals scored on them by City uh, in the first Manchester Derby they've had they've lost big a couple of times and they've never they haven't won big for for the listener the goal difference Man United has a five Plus five goal difference, which is low at this. Which point is the crazy for top four in yeah. this. Yeah, it's actually ridiculous. For for the record, like tenth place Brentford has a, a net zero. Brent or tenth place Fulham has a net zero. Ninth place Brentford is plus eight. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although to be fair, seventh place seventh place Aston Villa is minus one. But the table is a little a little a little crazy this year. Everybody is kind of pretty close together except when then when you get to like uh city and arsenal um yeah it's actually quite entertaining to like kind of be out of like we have our own stress about our own little whatever's going on up at, up top but like it's kind of nice just to look, look down at the table and be like nah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so anyway. i know i know that you have always done that i have it for the past like decade so well i haven't always done that just the last like couple of years yeah couple many 
Don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. I'm not lying. I'm Let just us if, keep if going. you start saying all the the Twitter trolls are gonna be like, you don't have no history. Oh, that's not so what I was not trying forever. To not forever, just recent history. Okay. Um, fine. Um Brighton anyways. and Brentford tied. Brighton and Brentford this tied. A little. That's a little that one was a little nutty. Um also because they're like, is... fighting each other currently, like they're right next to each other at the table. Uh Astonville and Liverpool are in between them, but Okay, yes. well still. They're they're points? they're close in the table. Sorry. They're three points apart. Uh, they're three points apart, yeah. yes. Okay, um, so I know what I'm talking anyway, about. Anyway, Brighton is looking at European spots. Brentford is safe from the relegation battle. Yep. Um that's about it. Um, um Aston Villa Beach. Oh. Everton Tottenham. Oh. oh, I missed this. Yes, funny. Good for Everton potentially in their fight to not get relegated. Lots of red cards. And by lots look- of red cards, I mean the game ended 10v10. <laughs> yeah. Well, the one red card, which I saw the Everton red card, where the guy, like, punched him in the face. Harry Kane yeah. in the face. Like, that well, was interestingly, subtle. Interestingly, Everton goes down a man. Ten minutes after Everton goes down a man, Spurs score. Yeah. It's 1-0 Spurs. In the 88th minute, Spurs goes down a man. So now it's 10v10. Mm-hmm. Everton scores in the 90th minute. <laughs> so, fuck you, Spurs, I guess. Fuck you, but, Spurs. Um, anyways, that was that. Um, as far as the weekend game goes, or I guess that game was technically Monday, but as far as match day 29 goes... Um, then we talk. Uh, uh, all right, should we get into the Chelsea situation, or do we want to wait? Until let's we talk let's quickly let's quickly discuss our our two games, and then the Chelsea situation will be the half. Okay. Okay. Um, do you, you want to go, go first? first? I can go first. Um, Arsenal played Leeds. We won four one. Thank God. Um, a couple of notes. We were talking about this before we recorded. Um. Yeah. Arsenal got off to a little bit of a slow start. I think Leeds Leeds looked good in this game. For Leeds, I think they um, are obviously fighting to stay out of relegation. And I think that they looked maybe even the better team for the first, like, 25 minutes-ish. I Um, I thought they looked the better team for the first 25 minutes. Yeah, Um, about. Which um, I think Arsenal can start slow sometimes against like lower teams in the table so it was good that we just like held on and then we kind of got into our groove maybe like before halftime um and did get a penalty um call which I think kind of just like set the tone a little bit um and then I would say too um we were saying this as well it wasn't because this is um pertinent to the next game that we're going to talk about Leeds didn't go away in the second half it wasn't a complete like they stopped going. They scored a goal when it was only 3-0 for Arsenal. So they still were fighting in it. Um, but I just their defense it, just didn't really have the capacity yeah. to do like hold Arsenal's offensive like prowess at that point. Arsenal definitely had a much stronger second half than they did first. Um yeah. but I think it was 
it's always really interesting to me watching Leeds play because Leeds do not, obviously they're in the relegation battle. They don't have a great record, but they don't look bad. No, they never look Anytime bad. Anytime I watch they, like, them, they never win. look bad. And I just like, I don't know what it is that's not clicking at Leeds because they should, they seem like, like I watch them play and I feel like they should be in like nine. Well, I think so too. And I was trying to, is it just like they just don't score goals? Like, I always, like, I don't know. They had a problem where they would score a lot of goals, but then also let in a lot of goals. But now they seem to like not be scoring any goals and still letting in a lot of goals. Yeah, I don't really know. But anyway, it just, um, it was, it was a little bit interesting because I don't, yeah. Usually when you say the scoreline doesn't reflect the game, you're speaking in the, in sort of a disparaging sense towards the team that won. Yeah, and I don't think then that's not true of this game, but I do feel like the scoreline is harsher on Leeds than, yeah, than perhaps it is reflective of the game. Yeah, um, I would have thought like a three zero win would have been almost more. Of a I game. feel like three one would have felt a little more. Yeah, like how the game actually felt. Yeah. Um, um. Other other just other notes. Um. Gabriel Jesus is back. He scored two goals. One was a PK, but the other one from open play. His first goal since October. So Arsenal fans were pretty feeling happy to have him back. Um, it puts us in a predicament of having a lot of good players. We can play in our top three, um, which is a pleasant thing to have going for us. But I want all of our good players to be able to play. So um, it'll be interesting to see what Arteta does against um, against Liverpool this coming weekend, especially because he had rested Saka in this game um, a little bit to allow Jesus to be in. So, anyway, only nine more games to go. As someone said ah. um, somewhere, there are like nine more finals. I'm like, I don't think my stress level can contain itself, but here we are. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I'll pass it over to you to talk about City. Yeah, so um, City and Liverpool played bright and early Saturday morning. Luckily for me, I was on the East Coast, so it was a 7.30 kickoff, not 5.30 as it would have been if I was home. Um, but I would not have been disappointed even if I had gotten up at 5.30 for this. Um, Liverpool scored first, Mo Salah, um, on the, on the, I believe in about 25 minutes in. Yeah. Um, but that was pretty much the last time we saw Liverpool, to be honest. Yeah. Um, about six minutes after that, roughly, maybe eight minutes after that, Mosala looked like he was gonna be on another breakaway. And who comes scampering back on the defense but my favorite young man, Mr. Jack Graylish. Um I can't Jack look at Jack Grealish now because I'm currently watching the new season of Ted Lasso and he looks like Jamie Tart. And he looks like Jamie Tart. I know. And it's just um, really hard because they are the same person because they're both like shit heads. But you They're love not them. the same person in the sense that season so season one Jamie Tart is not Jack Grealish. Season three Jamie Tart yes. is Jack Grealish. Sorry. Yes, I needed to yes, yes. Anyway, we can talk about Ted Lasso later. <laughs> so, so sorry, but I just, you know, sorry. I had to just toss it in when we were talking about the man himself because yeah. I thought no, it was No, it's relevant. true. It's true. He is season three, 
JB Tart is a hundred percent Jack Raylish. Um, it's the hair is ridiculous. <laughs> it is. It they is even ridiculous look, hair. We all know it's ridiculous. And I'm like, did they make him have look this hair alike. to make him uh, look like Jack Raylish? I think they Raylish? did. I think they I just did. Think they did. It, it has to be intentional. All their references to to players are intentional, right? Yeah. Like, yes, absolutely. We can, we'll talk about Ted Lasso later. Um, yes, so sorry, but, back on track. Um, we apologize. But yeah, Jack Reedish made a great uh, a great defensive effort to stop Mo Salah from making it 2-0. And then about two minutes after that, basically comes down the other end and sets up City's equalizing goal uh, through Alvarez right before half. Um, and then we go into halftime. It's 1-1. Uh, second half, it might as well, Liverpool might as well have just stayed in the locker room, to be honest. Um, De Bruyne scored pretty much directly after half. Uh, after halftime, Gunduan got one, uh, and then Jack Grealish uh, capped off his man of the match performance um, with goal number four, and they just absolutely killed. They just absolutely killed them in the second half. It was not even... There's not even that much to say about it, because it was City, honestly, at their best. Um, Pep said after the game that it was the best game that City has played in his tenure as coach. Um. Honestly, it's kind of hard to argue with that. Like, there are there are games you can pull and be like, it's the same. But like, it's the second half in particular is about as as controlling as city as is possible to get. Can I ask um, a question? You can ask a question. I just wonder, and I haven't actually been paying any attention to this, so I also am not on Twitter, so I don't know what anyone's saying. Has have people asked the question because obviously Holland did not play, um, yeah. and I know there had been the discussion at some point, whenever that City actually looks better without Holland playing. Yes. Um, what do you think about that? Because I feel like you know, obviously Holland is such a prolific goal scorer. You want him in. Yeah. Did you feel like it looked like you're saying City so lit? Like, does it Here's do you the feel thing. like they clicked because they were able to play how they played in past seasons where they're rotating more? Or here's the think? thing. I think that it depends on how you define best. Okay. Yeah. In the, because I think that when the way that City played on Saturday and the way that City play when Holland is not in the side, when they're either playing a false nine or Alvarez at the nine, it is a very different type of side than they play. They play different tactically than they do when Holland is in, but they also play differently tactically when Holland is in by himself and when Holland and Alvarez are in together. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I think there's basically three offensive modalities that City was running through this year. Now, aesthetically, like, my preferred style of football is the one without Holland. Yeah. The false nine play style, where they just kill you to death with possession and passing and and that sort of tiki-taka style that is my preferred style and I mean in many ways I grew up on we grew up on on Pep Guardiola Barcelona right that was sort of I mean there's a reason why we like so there's so there's we're sort of you know that is certainly where my love for that comes and my appreciation for that style comes from 
that being said, there is something, I don't think that's inherently better. Right. Because if we're looking at the two games, I know we weren't really going to talk about prior to the international break, but if you, yeah, you opened the door. So if you want to talk about the two games leading into the international break, that city won seven you know, scored seven or scored five and then six, right. you know, yeah. seven and then, you know, scored ridiculous seven and what, seven and then six. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Against Leipzig. And then um, at the weekend, I don't even remember who they played um, at the weekend before that international break. And that's with Holland. It's hard to say like, oh, this team is better than that team. Right. Like when you beat somebody seven, nothing like, you're like oh this is a better team than that it depends on how right like that I think that's that's like comparing apples and oranges I feel like yeah it's no it's not I I don't think that you're wrong I was just wondering like yeah so has been my personal yeah yeah Yeah. but I and I think it's an interesting thing to think about but I think at the end of the day it's not about which team is better because I think ultimately that's 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 kind of beside the point I think what Holland does is allow there to be more directness in this in the city side that they didn't have an option for before and where we've seen them fall short particularly in the Champions League but in other areas as well and when they've had these they've had these sort of in last years they've had these messy like like one one draws right and we don't really see that this year with City because when Holland is playing, it's more direct. And right. so I think I appreciate having the option yeah. of multiple oh. styles. Also, who would want the my option of having Holland on your team? Yeah, so. I think my preferred style right now is actually the sort of combo of it when Alvarez and Holland play together. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that's the middle ground between the before. super direct. Yeah. yeah, we've talked about it before, but that's the middle ground between like being super direct and playing the false nine. Yeah. Um, is sort of that that middle ground. And that's my preferred attacking setup yeah. um mm-hmm. in this this city team right now, because I think it it makes the it gets the most of your best players on the field and it it makes the most of of everybody's talents, I think. And it's the middle ground. Um yeah. De Bruyne is is has continued his form. He was picking yeah. up again from before this, so he's continued that. I'm very happy. Jack Grealish is playing great. I'm really bummed about Phil Foden. I know there's nothing really to be done about that. That's sort of just is there bad a timeline luck. for him at all? So, in case you missed it during the international so, break, yes. Phil Foden um, had appendicitis, so he got his appendix out. Yeah. Um, they said two to three weeks Friday. Okay. So it's not uh, like horrible, and and you know it it all kind of those these kinds of things very much just depend on how he recovers, you know. Yeah. Um, but it just kind of right. sucks because it's like he didn't get hurt; he got appendicitis. Yeah, which, it's just like, like an un- it's an unfortunate thing that have happened at this point in the season, and especially because he was just starting to, to look really off. good again. He yeah. was pick- he'd been in a little bit of a slump, and he was picking he picked it up the last couple of games. So the timing of it is just really unfortunate. Um. So yeah. I'm a little butt bummed about that, but at the end of the day, like it's not like City obviously can't win without him. But um, a yeah. little bit of a bummer for him to sort of have a setback after Definitely. he w- he was coming back and looking looking fairly strong. But um, 
John Stones also had a great game. It's really an, and Diaz, John Stones and, and Ruben Diaz are both also finding their form right now. I think for City, like the the thing at the end of the day is like they are finding their their best form right now, whatever that looks like. Um, individual both individual players and as a group are really finding their have really sort of hit their stride here. And this is really the perfect time to do it. Like if City if City were going to hit their stride at any point in the season, like now is when. Um, they've got they've got a lot of games in April, a lot of games in April. Um, games in April, <laughs> a lot of games in April. So if they if there was a time for them to hit to hit the stride, it's now, and that does seem like they've hit their stride. So hopefully yeah. they can carry on that momentum. I was yeah. a little worried that you I hope was, you well, hope you hope. I'm 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 the one speaking, so hopefully. <laughs> um hopefully for me um sorry i just didn't want to get any listeners on the podcast confused about my preference no hopefully for me katya they uh (laughs) they continue on this momentum that they have found um particularly because they're going to have a tough road in the champions league um yeah yeah um well so yeah it's gonna be fun Let's we talk, talk about, about the Chelsea. debacle of Chelsea, the Chelsea let's, Football Club. Before we really, t- I feel like we're going to talk about Chelsea for a while. Um, so let's run through the other results okay. real fast from yeah, midweek. We'll just, yeah, Chelsea. By the way, at the weekend, lost two nothing from Aston Villa. We're going to revisit that game when we we'll, talk we'll about talk Chelsea about it as a whole. Don't worry. But I want to run through the rest of these results. Leeds got a win on Tuesday, which is very very important. They beat Nottingham Forest two one. Good for the relegation um, battle. Brighton beat Bournemouth. Expected. Leicester Leicester had a player sent off. They lost to Aston Villa 2-1. Yep. Um, Chelsea-Liverpool, which we will revisit in a moment, uh, drew 0-0. Um, and then uh, two, there were two matches on Wednesday, and that was Newcastle beat the shit out of, out of West Ham. Yep. It was 5-1. Um, and Man United beat Brentford, uh, Brentford 1-0. Yeah. So that's a wrap of all the results. Um, but we got to talk about Chelsea. We need to talk about I don't even know. Okay, here's the thing. I, w- I was explaining to a friend who doesn't, like, pay attention to football. And I started from, like, you know, the first time around with Frank Lampard and went through the whole story. And she was like, is that a TV show? So um, let us start with Chelsea. They lose to so- Aston Villa this weekend. Oh, two. And shortly, I guess it was Monday morning then. Yeah. So nothing happened to Sunday. Monday morning, Graham Potter is fired. Which? Now, if you'll remember correctly, towards the beginning of this season, Thomas Tuchel got fired and they brought um, Potter in in on a five-year contract. He made it approximately seven months. Just about. So there's that. Um, there's there's to be, that. to be to be fair, Chelsea are not obviously getting results. They are in eleventh place in the table. Um, they are tied on points with Fulham, who is in tenth, but Fulham has a game in hand. Yeah. Um, there's a really big drop between eleventh and twelfth. That's kind yeah. of where the cutoff is, basically, between yeah. people who are not in the relegation battle and people who are in the relegation battle. Yep. Yeah. That's where Chelsea is. He is the lowest man on the totem pole that is not in the relegation battle. Yep. Um, 
so there's that um that being said so so chelsea fire grand potter and then rumors start circulating that they're gonna bring in frank lampard again well first it was First, it was they're going to bring in uh, Nogglesman, and we'll get to the Nogglesman which situation. Which would be fun, have been oh, funny. Which would have been funny, but they they say that, and then it doesn't happen. I, the, people just sort of said that, and then all of a sudden, they're like, they're going to bring back Frank Lampard, and I took, I saw this on Twitter, and I took a screenshot, and I sent it to Rachel. And I, and said, I think I said, is this and real? I said, this has to be crazy. And I said, Chelsea is such an unserious club. Yes. Um, because who would have ever thought and that you, you were going to rehire your coach? And you said, is this real? And then the next messages we exchanged were this morning going, was me going, well, it happened. <laughs> like, this was like the funniest, so, like the weirdest ass. I was like, um, and then you were like, it, well, it did happen. I was like, it did. It was, what Chelsea is so serious. You said, could this actually happen? Like what? That was yesterday at 8.52 p.m. my time. Today, 8.01 a.m. Well, it happened. <laughs> I I just like, could not wrap my head. Like, I was like, is it April Fool's? And someone was like, oh, we're just going to get Frank for Chelsea. Like, I just was like, what on earth? What on he earth is going on at that club? <laughs> he's brought back in as, as caretaker manager. Yes, yeah, whatever. Which essentially Still. just means He's filling the role until the end of the season. It's not a long-term appointment. To be honest, Chelsea doesn't really have a hope of European football next year. The funniest Unless thing was, they win the Champions League. Wait, I saw the funniest thing. Watch that happen. Don't joke about that. The funniest thing is I saw this funny thing that was like, Chelsea, when Chelsea fired Frank Lampard, they were in a better position than they were today when they have now rehired him. Yes. Yes. Good job, Chelsea. <laughs> Chelsea were also in a better position when they fired Thomas Tuchel. Okay, that was a stupidity, though. Like, I think we can all accept Well, that I was- think what's really funny is, like, everything I've read, like, all the podcasts I've listened to since Potter got fired, they all are basically like, well, it was a mistake to fire Tuchel in the first place. Well, it really was, though. Like, that was so out of the blue. It didn't really make sense. And, like... I don't really know what they gained from it, you know? Well, nothing. I yeah. think I think the problem is, and I've, I've noticed this, uh, Graham Potter is not the only victim of this. No. But I think that there is this, people are so over-eager, and I think this happens with players too, not just coaches. People get so excited about somebody new on the scene that yeah. they put they they shove them in positions where they're in over their head instead of letting them ease their way in yes i agree i agree i agree like and i think graham potter was doing great things at brighton and it's not like he maybe wouldn't have gotten somewhere where he was ready for a a club like chelsea but I don't, I feel like perhaps it, he bit off a little bit more than he could chew. Yeah. So maybe he would have gotten there anyway. On the other hand, I think that there's this mindset that if a coach is doing well with a lower or a mid-table team, mm-hmm. a.k.a. 
what Graham Potter was doing, where they're sort of overachieving with yep. a, with a sort of a mid-table team. Yeah. That that means they're automatically gonna do well right. at a big club. Yeah. And I don't think that that is always true. I no, think I some managers whether it's personality, whether it's style, whatever it is, there's some managers that are meant to overachieve with mid-table clubs. Their whole thing is is making making things out of doing doing more with less. Yeah. I actually think Nogglesman is a, is possibly another example of that. Not that he was yeah. doing badly with Byron. I think it's stupid that he got fired, but that's a whole other conversation. It's good, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, like, there are managers who sort of thrive on doing more with less, and when they yeah. they have the resources, it doesn't really work for them. Yeah. And I almost think it's possible that Potter is one of those. And and we'll see yeah. where he ends up next. But I think it wouldn't shock me if we saw him somewhere like, you know, West Ham. I don't know. I'm just naming a rare well, club. Like you know, I we did, saw him at another yeah. sort of mid-table. And we had also talked about this team. when they hired and him. And he overachieved again. Yeah, because we talked about this when Chelsea hired him. And we were like, it's not just... Like, he's a very capable coach. But it's also, mm-hmm. like, um, like, there's so much more that comes with coaching a team like Chelsea compared to coaching a team like Brighton. Yeah. And I feel like they're, like, could the outside pressure of it all have just been too much for him? Or not even that, but sort of the the personalities in, in and around yeah. Chelsea, yeah. players, management, the the sort of extra attention that comes from your signings when you're a club like Chelsea, the probably less of control over who the club is signing at a at a place like Chelsea. Yeah. Um it's just yeah, so there's that. But right. interestingly enough, I actually don't think Chelsea look bad right now. Yes, we were discussing this. This is an in- this is interesting. Ew. Now I know everyone loves their advanced statistics these days. Everyone loves XGs. Everyone loves you know <laughs> to look at the stats, all the things. And I think they have their their place. But we here on the Kicking Balls podcast. Hmm. are very lar- big proponents of the eye test okay just i'm an eye you test can just, you can just tell you can watch if you know the game if you, know, you, the game, if you know the game well enough you know who's good and who's not you don't need uh, yep. it, it you know when people are playing well and you don't need the stats you don't need the stats so i don't know the stats but um i test wise Despite the fact that Chelsea are in 11 and Liverpool are in eighth, Chelsea looks better than Liverpool. Yes. And this comes to their 0 0 tie 
that happened midweek. Which I did not watch because I was busy. Apparently, so I can't it was speak quite, to that game. Apparently, it was quite a snore. Apparently, it was yeah. Apparently, it was dreadful. So yeah. I'm not really super unhappy to have missed it. Yeah. Um, based on the reviews of the game, but anyway, I, I did watch Aston Villa, um, Chelsea this weekend, and yeah. w- despite the fact that Aston Villa won two nothing, Chelsea were the better team for the vast majority of the game. Chelsea had the ball in Aston Villa's offensive, like in their in their offensive third, in in and around Aston Villa's box, pretty much the whole game. Yeah. I don't know the exact. I'd have to pull the stats on the number of shots that they took. Um, and Emmy Martinez made some great saves, but mostly Chelsea just wasn't putting the ball on target. No, they just like were missing or shooting at all. They get the ball in and around. Yeah, the they almost like couldn't do like and the last didn't pass. shoot. Yeah, or shoot, they had or everything. they wouldn't pull the trigger and wouldn't actually get the ball. Like, yeah, it was odd. It was it was kind of strange, but honestly, like the way that they moved the ball and the way that they played, they looked good. Like, they don't look like a team. They look like a team. They didn't look. I didn't. I wasn't watching them play Aston Villa. Going, how the hell is this team in the, you know, quarterfinals of the Champions League? Like, <laughs> I wasn't watching this team. Going, what the fuck? Like, yeah. I, you kind of. They just. They seem like they're just missing that final piece. Yeah, um, but they also and that is scoring goals. Spent money and money and money and money and money on players who. Don't, don't solve that. Provide that. Like <laughs> now, we've and we said that before. We said it when they bought brought in their their three big names, Mudrick, uh, for uh, Enzo Fernandez and Joe Felix. We said we said it when they signed them that none of those players solve Chelsea's problem. Yeah. Um. And they and they honestly, in particular, Joe Felix and Enzo Fernandez, I think, have settled in pretty well, and they look good. Um, and also, Conte is back now with Chelsea, yes. which is a huge, yeah. which a huge them. plus for them. But Conte's not a goal scorer; he never has been, he never will be. No, he sets he's up maybe, goal I feel like he scored like he scored like four goals in his career. Like he's really not. He's a. He's also he's maybe the man running the midfield. Yeah, um, he gets the ball to the goal scorers. He tra- he transitions. He stops the counterattack the other way, you know, like mm-hmm. he breaks up the the passing of the other team's midfield, whatever. He's a great player to have back. But at the end of the day, neither neither Conte coming back, Mudrik, Jao Felix, Fernandez, Enzo, none of them solve Chelsea's problem, which is that they cannot score goals. Can't score. Um, so that's really the the and then I think what's interesting and I think when you when you look at Chelsea's problems versus Liverpool's problems I think what should be reassuring to Chelsea fans is that you can pinpoint the problem at Chelsea right that we can we can watch right. you and I can sit here and watch Chelsea and say this is the problem yeah the problem is they have the ball obvious. they have the ball they have they're making the chances they just can't score they can't get they can't get that final piece. The Liverpool, it's a lot harder to diagnose the problem. Yeah, it looks like overall they're just slow, sluggish, and not really in it. 
And, and some of that is they've got guys who are getting older. They certainly have an aging midfield. Um, Liverpool's midfield is a mess. They cannot hold the middle of a pitch in any game. Um, they are getting absolutely killed in the midfield. Their offense, I mean, Mo Salah is a great player, but Mo Salah has had a quiet, quiet, quiet season. Yes. Uh, Darwin Nunez has flashes, but has never really kicked off. Firmino mm-hmm. can't get on the field. Uh, Jota and uh, Diaz have been off and on through form and injury. Cody Gakpo is fairly new to the squad, but it yeah. also hasn't really gotten going. So they don't really have anybody up front. Jordan Henderson needs to retire. Yes. Sorry to the Liverpool fans who aren't going to like to hear that. Yeah, I don't his locker room. I understand that he's a leader on the team and his locker room presence is a thing. Yeah, if he's not going to retire, he needs to be a bench captain. Yeah, and that's fine. I think I think there is certainly a place for people towards the end of their careers who are tremendous leaders, but just don't have the legs anymore. Jordan Henderson doesn't have the legs to play in a Premier League midfield anymore. He gets killed. Yeah, he's just too old. It's it's yeah. Um, Fabinho, I don't know what's happening there. He's not even that old. I think I don't think he's thirty yet, but yeah. like he just is not. It's not happening. Harvey Elliott, poor Harvey Elliott. Apparently, Liverpool fans hate Harvey Elliott, and I don't know why. Harvey Elliott is just like the only one with any energy because he's like fucking nineteen years old. Um. Yeah. Defensively. I mean, what the fuck is happening defensively? This is a, de- a defense that two years ago, everybody was saying it was the best defense the Premier League has ever seen. Everyone's yeah. saying Virgil Van Dyke is the best defender the Premier League has ever seen, which I never agreed with, but that's beside the point. Yeah, she, you know, um, did, but... <laughs> I've always been a hater, but um, I, I forever will be a hater. Um, but that's beside the point. Trent Alexander-Arnold, a year ago, not even yeah. multiple years ago, a, a year ago, was being lauded as one of the great youngsters in football. Mm-hmm. And Andy Robertson has always been a little bit overshadowed by the rest of the defense. But, yeah. you know, I think he's pretty good, too. And yet, yeah, none I think of them- so all of the sudden can defend a lick. None of them. Like he Trent is a mess, but it's not his fault. It's not solely his responsibility. People have been sort of using Trent Alexander Arnold as the scapegoat for Liverpool's defensive issues. Yeah. And I think that's unfair. He's part of a, the larger whole, but he's getting killed. And and because he's getting killed, He's not producing offensively either for various reasons. One, the midfield, as we've mentioned, is a mess. And offensively, their forwards are not producing either. So he's not producing offensively. And then Virgil van Dijk looks like he got body swapped, to be honest. Yeah, he just is not. He's just not having the season. I just don't know what the hell's happening there. Alisson, like, has been fine. But, like, there's only so much he can do. Yeah, he's been. I don't really have any specific criticism of us. I mean, he had he's made his, a couple. Yes, a couple scoops. mistakes. 
but like, ultimately most... it's so it's just odd right because like the fact that we can't really pinpoint what's wrong i feel like it's because liverpool's worse. yeah that's my point right like liverpool's liverpool's problem is everything yeah all of it like throw out the whole baby you know like throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know whatever the saying is don't know if that's a saying but we can go with it um, well they say don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. i'm saying do throw the baby out with the bathwater. yeah anyways well, anyway Klopp basically said that he's surprised he hasn't been fired yet which i don't really know if that's a sentiment you want Klopp is a whack manager he's a wackadoodle he's a wackadoodle Klopp basically said that he's he's benefited a lot basically from Chelsea being worse than Liverpool are um, because the attention has been on Chelsea and on Graham Potter rather than on Liverpool and Klopp Um, one way of thinking about it that's for sure I said earlier and and there was a there was a little bit of a controversy I don't really think there was much of it but um, was thoughts that Rodri should have gotten a second yellow in the um in the City Liverpool game and should have been sent off. And I think what sums up Liverpool and Klopp's attitude is that after the game, when Klopp was was asked about it, and whether you're a Liverpool fan or not, you you have to know that Klopp is notorious for shit talking referees. So that man complains about the referees like it is his fucking job. Um, in previous years, he has. Uh, when asked about this, he said, I don't think we would have won with 10 men against 10 men. I, yeah. I think, I don't think it would have changed anything. But and I think that, that sums up is not a the good entirety attitude you of want for your manager though. Like what's going on? Mm-hmm. I, I don't usually call for managers to be fired. And no. I know that Klopp has done great things over the last, what, seven years, seven, eight years yeah. at Liverpool. But when the problem is everywhere, like there's no like, oh, well, this player's injured, so that's the problem. Or like, oh, well, they signed this guy and that's the problem. Or like, oh, well, they they this is the problem. Like when you can't sit when we can sit here and we could sit here and talk for an hour, probably, just about Liverpool and not pinpoint exactly what the problem is. At some point that's the manager. Yeah. Because this Liverpool squad from last year to this year is not significantly different. The only real player that they lost is Mane. And I know they've had various players with injury issues throughout the year, but that's always the case for every club every year. You know, any given year is going to have some injury issues. It's not the first year in history that Liverpool has had injury issues. Yeah. So... Like, at some point, you have to... At some point, Klopp has to go. Because, especially because when you're looking at Liverpool and you're looking at them potentially not being in Europe next year, that causes long, long, long long-term issues. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. That's the biggest problem that Chelsea and and Liverpool are facing is that recruitment is so much harder when you are not playing European football, especially when you have a player like Jude Bellingham who everyone thinks is going to move this summer. Yeah, no, I mean, and and seriously, Liverpool, though, like, this has been Arsenal's problem for the past few years, is is they're not playing Champions League football, and it becomes a thing where people don't want to come to them. And when you have a player of, and and it's the Jude Bellingham of it, of it all, really, is that's yeah. who it is. 
Yes, there are other people who are going to move, but it's Jude Bellingham who who everybody wants, and rightfully so. Jude Bellingham is brilliant. Yeah, but Jude Bellingham is not coming to Liverpool if Liverpool is not playing in the Champions League. I just don't see why he would do that. Why would he do that when Real Madrid and Manchester City and Man United want him, who will be playing in the Champions League? Yeah, why would he do that? He wouldn't. And I feel like Liverpool are maybe just screwed. Well, they they might be. I guess we'll have to wait. I want to get though. Yeah, I I want to try to get. This is speaking totally out of my ass, but um, I want to try to get um my buddy my buddy Isaac on here again. Yeah. To cry about Liverpool. Um, if you don't know, my friend Isaac is a Liverpool fan. We've had him on before, um, a while, a long, long while ago. Um, but I also, this is so random. There's this girl on TikTok who I've been seeing recently. Who's she's a Chelsea fan, and I don't know really know what her deal is, but I don't know what her name is either. But the girl on TikTok, Chelsea girl. If you ever want to go on a ladies soccer podcast, we're here. Oh yeah. You probably, I would love you to hear your takes. To this, so, no, I would the random. Why would this random girl I've seen on my TikTok for you page like twice see this? I don't, I don't even know what her name is. No. Um, but she's an American and she's a Chelsea fan. Well, and she talks about we were just shit housing on your team, on TikTok, but sorry. So yeah, we're shit talking your team, girl. But if you want to come shit talk them on our podcast, you're welcome. Come uh, join anytime. us. Come join us, ladies um, only. Let us very quickly talk about the other leagues. Let's start with Barcelona, who just lost to so, Real Madrid in the Copa del Rey. Semi-final? Final? Yeah. Semi. Semi-final. Yeah. They were winning 1-0 at the first, after the first leg, and then Real kind of just, like, dismantled them this week. Yeah. Let's kind of be odd. clear. Quick quick aside, before we get really get into that game, um... Barca did win over the weekend in La Liga, so they maintained their 12th significant league. Yeah. But I think that kind of plays into what I have to say about this game, the Copa del Rey semifinal, Um, in the sense that Barca, La Liga is done. Barca has won La Liga. Yes. There is. Well, technically they still lose, but that'd be really bad. Technically, they have not. They technically have not won it yet. They have a 12-point lead with, what, nine games left in the year? Less than that? Like, it's it's done. It would be... They'd have to basically lose out. Yeah. Um, it really shouldn't happen. There's 11 games left in La Liga. Okay, okay. Um... But they are, like I said, they're 12 points clear. Um, and they would essentially have to lose out. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't, but they'd have to lose five Every games. Game. Yeah. They'd have to lose half of their games, and Madrid would have to win out. Win out, um, which is probably not going to happen. Hence why yeah. we're relatively confident that Barcelona will be. So they there. haven't mathematically won it yet, but they've won it. Um. 
And this is significant because they're not in European football anymore. So the only other competition they were really in at this point was Copa del Rey. And so they, in theory, should be able to put all their energy into winning Copa del Rey. And then they could have two trophies at the end of the season. Uh, But I made a comment to Rachel before this, before we started recording, that I felt like yesterday that in many ways, Barca kind of looked like Arsenal did when they went out of the FA Cup. Yeah. In the sense that, no, they weren't intentionally throwing the game, obviously, but they didn't seem particularly motivated to win it. Yeah. They looked like a team that was in too many competitions and needed to not be in one of them. That's what Arsenal has done with all of our competitions. Which is what Arsenal did. Because Arsenal are in a are in a title race that they can't afford to lose games. No, no, no. Or no, drop no, points at all. Like no dropping of points. Arsenal is in Arsenal is in a tight race with a very good team. Barca has all but won the La Liga. They are not in a tight race. They can yeah. afford to play different guys and, and they're so far ahead that a draw or two is not gonna it's not gonna mean they don't win. Like they are going to it would literally be insane. It would probably be one of the most insane things ever if Barca did not win the La Liga. Yeah. So they, so for them to like look like they don't really care about Copa del Rey is really strange. Yeah, it was odd. Um, it's odd to me. It was very strange. And they looked good towards the beginning of the game. They had some chances that they couldn't put away. It was very back and forth in the beginning of the game. And then towards the end of the first half and all of the second half, it just kind of... Barca kind of just went to sleep and never woke up again. Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully, like, hopefully it's all, like, whatever, and they'll just get back into it next week in the La La Liga games, and they'll be fine, and it's not going to be something that hangs over them, so... Yeah. Now, personally, I am not super unhappy about Madrid continuing to play in other competitions. Yeah, because, because you, you got to tire them I'm out. I'm on don't their you? side of the. I'm on their side of the Champions League bracket where I don't want to be. You did. I will say you did jinx yourself on the last pod by saying oh, yeah. all you wanted was not to have Real Madrid anywhere close to you, and of course now they are. Yeah. So a little um, bit of you just. A jinx, really, is what that was. Well, you want to know something crazy? Uh, we have we talked about the Champions League draw at all? I couldn't tell you, but it's ridiculous because an Italian team will be in the final. Or Ish. Benfica. <laughs> yeah, Benfica proved me wrong. Point being, point being, one side of the of the bracket for the quarterfinals this is ridiculous. of the Champions League is the two Milan teams. Napoli yeah. and Benfica. Yes. The other t- side is Chelsea, Real, City, and Bayern. Yep. This all like without fail, something like this happens in every single Champions every League. Single every Champions year. League. Every, every single year. Every year, one of the brackets has everybody on it, and the other bracket has nobody. And yeah. or, like everybody, like you have three of the the four strongest teams in the champ left in the Champions League are. City, Madrid, Bayern, and Napoli. Mm-hmm. Three out of the four of them are on one side of, yeah. the, of the thing. I mean, honestly, it's chalking up for Napoli to fucking win the whole thing, which would be kind of cool. Honestly. Here's the thing. If City's not going to win it, I hope it's Napoli. 
Yeah, I mean, I would be fine if, like, Benefica won. Do I not like Benefica for some reason? No, I'm just, I think, realistically. Yeah, no, I got you. Napoli is the only one from that. Like, realistically, it will be a huge upset if Napoli is not in the final. Yeah, it's true. I concur. Um, Anyway. But the other side, who's to fucking say? Who is to fucking say? No, really? You actually have absolutely no idea. Because genuinely, any, because, just, because if anybody was going to fluke out Real Madrid, it would be fucking Chelsea. Yeah, of course. Because some, for some reason, Chelsea can look like ass shit bad in the Premier League, but then somehow just pull out Champions League. Watch, watch them beat Real Madrid. Watch them. Literally, watch them beat Real Madrid. I swear to God. Because, because I swear, you know how Real Madrid is like, they can be shit anywhere else, but they always turn up for the Champions League. Yes. Chelsea is kind of the same way. Yes, though they totally are. So, like, actually, it's gonna be a really entertaining tie. It's gonna be really funny. Well, are Chelsea gonna beat Real Madrid with Frank Lampard as their coach? That would be so fucking funny. I literally fucking hilarious. Who is the Ted Lasso writers have gotten a hold of the of the? This is what I mean. I just I just think that Chelsea has just become a a joke, and it's hilarious. Somebody, whoever is writing the Chelsea plot, did too many drugs. Too many. All, too all many of them, drugs. All of them at the same time. Did all of the drugs because, at the same time. Okay, what <laughs> if the most, the funniest thing would be if Chelsea and Bayern meet each other in the Champions League and Tugel plays Chelsea? That would be funny. That would be funny. It would be funnier if, if, um, Chelsea had hired Nagelsmann. <laughs> it yes, would be even funnier. It would have been even funnier. <laughs> okay, oh. so maybe the writer did not do all of the drugs because if the writer had done all of the drugs, then Nagelsmann would have been hired at Chelsea. Yeah, so but you know, I almost feel like it's funnier one for, the ins- for the insular Chelsea story for it to be Frank Lampard who has like coming back after they kicked him out once. Oh my god. Can you imagine if Chelsea wins the Champions League a fucking game? With Frank Lampard as their coach? With the season finishing, can you imagine Chelsea finishes 11th in the Premier League? When Champions, Champions League, League is back in the Champions League I again next year? I would die. I would be done. I'm like, I'm done. I, would, I, I couldn't even, this. I honest to God, couldn't even be mad about it. I couldn't even be mad about it. I, I that would, would be too funny. It would be hilarious. It would be utterly hilarious. I, I don't think I, I genuinely don't think I could even be mad at it. If they beat Real Madrid and then either City or Bayern, and then Napoli, I'll yeah. fucking die. I will fucking die. I, I would too. I would just be like, the football gods are freaking weird right now. They, that would be hilarious. That would so be anyway. really funny. Anyway, sorry. We kind of got off track, but no one can deny that Speaking it would be Speaking of really Bayern. Funny. Let's move um, on to the um, Bundesliga. So I feel like we've already said this, but Tuchel is now Bayern's coach. Yeah. And Which his first game after the international the break was against Dortmund, who was leading Bayern in the table when this game took place. Yeah, and then they got their asses beat. As, like, per usual, because Dortmund can't seem to ever really get their acts together no. against Bayern. No, Dortmund will literally be playing so well, and then somehow against Bayern, they're like, oh, actually, we're just children. They, I almost, and I almost just think it's a mental thing. Like I feel like it's a mental block that they have. They just are like unable to play Bayern to their full capacity. Yeah. 
Um, I will say the first goal, unlucky, but also what was Dortmund's keeper doing? I don't know. So I feel like, but I also feel like that kind of set it off to a bad start because Dortmund was looking actually relatively good in the first like 10 minutes. It set a bad tone and then it was just down the hill from there. I mean, um, I would not say the Bundesliga is anywhere close to being done. There's a lot more and Bayern has not been looking great. So no, there's, there are two points. There's two points between them. Yes. So we'll see what happens there. But anyways. Um we wanted to I do though, like I still cannot understand why Bayern fired. Yeah, I don't really get it either. Yeah, I don't know. There must have been something Bayern, I feel like I like honestly like respect their ownership. I don't know. I feel like this way about a lot of Bundesliga clubs. But there must have been a. Re- I feel like they must have had a good reason to justify that. If it just even seemed if they're not very strange, it, with- it seemed a little bit out of the blue that they did it. It seemed right very out it. of nowhere. Like they're in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. They obviously they were second in the table at the time, but obviously, you know, one win, they're back at the top. They're in the title race. Um, like I just don't. They're they're up. They're still up. I think for every trophy they're eligible for like they're still in every competition yeah i don't know it just was it just was very out of nowhere like i don't like which I, makes I me feel, feel like, like something happened that we just it. like something happened that we just don't know about i feel like maybe yeah i don't know it was weird anyways um we're gonna wrap up with some women's football news as one does. Um, big story for me is that Arsenal's women beat Man City, which is important because of the title race, and we jumped ahead of them now in the table. So we're now in third place. Um, nice dramatic win, lovely goal from no other than Katie McCabe, who shit housed her way into the goal. Basically, it was fantastic. Um. I will say Arsenal's kind of on a little bit of a tear. They have the chance at a treble because they just won, like, the – is it the EFL Cup for the women? I couldn't really tell you, but not the FA Cup. Um, And they are now in the semifinals of the Champions League where they are playing Wolfsburg. Barcelona is playing Chelsea, who beat Lyon. So I think it's going to be a really entertaining Women's Champions League semi and finals yeah i'm very um i'm very much looking forward to the chelsea barcelona matchup um mm-hmm. particularly because now this is unconfirmed but rumor has it that yeah. alexia may be back for those yeah. games which if she will not be back for those games should they win those games she will be back for the, for final. the final which of course is Pretty significant uh, for Barcelona, but I would say more so for Spain in the upcoming World Cup, um, which Although, is big. Asterisk yes. with that, the whole oh, Spain's yeah. national team is still in. There yeah. are several players that are kind of on strike, and Alexia is among them. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, if, so, if the Spanish if Federation they get their shit issue. together, then may, they, she'll be in the World Cup. 
just very drastic um that being said it was basically confirmed that both Beth Mead and Viviana Miedema will not be making it into World Cup due to their ACL injuries um, that is while that is that's not surprising we no, didn't no, no. think they that, were gonna make it back. no we didn't expect them to um we are thinking that Kat Macario should be back yeah Kat Macario is on a similar she's on a similar time frame to Alexia so we ex- we do anticipate her to be back um but on the subject of people being back big news of the last week um is particularly in U.S. women's national team news yes. is Julie Ertz she's back um who took quite a bit of time after she had her baby yeah um with there's obviously nothing wrong with that oh no absolutely not totally fine but uh, but like unlike crystal dunn who came back very quickly after yeah. she had her son julia Ertz has taken quite a bit of time and i honestly thought she was done i thought i she wasn't was sure I, yeah she yeah. hadn't formally retired but i kind of thought she was going I to say like begged her to come back because we need her so badly but oh my god am i so excited that she's so back excited. i was saying to rachel earlier yeah. like if she is even half the player Ugh. that she was the us is so 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 boosted by them yeah the us has a lot boosted. of great young has a lot of great young players right now um yeah. and a lot of great everybody from you know from sophia smith to trinity rodman to naomi gurma like there's some really really great young players um in this sort of national team mix right now that are really exciting in various different positions but we have no six we have struggled in the sixth position we have struggled to find somebody who can do what julie Ertz does and julie Ertz does what julie Ertz does better than anyone else in the world three three years ago probably the last world cup she was very arguably the best player in yes. the world. Oh, yes. Um, and she is so good and she is such a big get. If she is, I'm really, really looking forward to the US it has some games coming up that I will be tuning into. Um, because I need I need to see where she, I need to I need to see my girl Julie. Yeah. I'll probably try and watch one of them. They play Ireland um, this Saturday. I know. Do I watch for Katie McCabe solely? Potentially. I'm watching for Julie Ernst. Julie Ernst. <laughs> um, but anyway, so really, really exciting um, news for the U.S. Um, you may also know that a lot of the national teams have been dropping their kits in the last week or so for the Women's yes. World Cup. We are we are in discussions in negotiations. Um, <laughs> we're in negotiations for our negotiations uh, ranker for our resident kit ranker. Um, I actually just exchanged texts with her, and she is a hundred percent in. Beautiful. So we beautiful. just have to schedule um, into the schedule. We just have to schedule it into the schedule. Um, but we will do um, a special episode to rank the women's World Cup kits. Yep. Um, which I have to say, not to get too. I don't want to talk about them too much, but. I I have not seen any where so far where I'm like, God damn, what are you doing? Um, there are some very nice kits. Yes. Um that I've seen. I haven't done a super deep dive, but some really nice kits that I've seen floating around. So I'm excited to do that. Um I'm excited to get Allie back on to talk kits. Allie's um, great. Allie's a legend. We, 
we do um we'll have to get i'll resurrect the kit ranking authority group chat um and we'll figure out a time that we can get her on there so that may or may not be you know the next time you hear from us but it will be soon soon so keep your keep your ears and your eyes open for that one but i think that's i think that's all we have i think it's it we've nailed it once again nice and speedy though maybe bada bing bada boom um, anyway we'll be back next week because there are just like so many games and it's never stopping Um, is it before will we be back before after the first round of the champions league probably after after After. almost certainly after basically certainly after um yeah so we're gonna have even more things to talk about Um, oh yeah but with that uh that's it for this episode and we will talk to you next week that's all for this week we'll see you next week on kicking balls